Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week, we've got a completely different type of guest. We have with us today, Abdel, who is now a final year medical student at University College London. But what's interesting and cool is I regard him as an unconventional medic in the fact that he's all tech, data. He's recently done a master's in computer science and as soon as he graduates, he's gonna be working as a product manager for Google. He's super smart, and he is one of the founders who of the UCL's first leadership and management society. Um, it's a massive pleasure to have you um, as a guest today. How are you, Abdel? Oh, very fine, thank you. That was uh, quite, a, quite a kind introduction. Um, but no, super excited. <laughs> I'm a fan uh, of your podcast, and just yeah, super stoked to be, to be on it. No, it's, it's a privilege for us. Um, I regard you as someone I'm inspired by in the sense that you do a lot of cool things um, that I wish I could have done. Um, and I think it's always interesting for our user, uh, listeners to kind of hear the different things medical students can get up to while at medical school rather than kind of go through the system and graduate having gone through medical school and being a doctor with nothing else or upskilled in any capacity. Um, but we want to take it all the way to the very beginning, Abdel. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of share with us at what point um, you kind of had maybe an epiphany or this long dream of, I want to be a medic, I want to apply for med school and kind of talk about that whole journey up until present day. Yeah, um, so kind of the way I'd first started off is that it, looking back, it's very easy to, to say, oh, I did this and this came and it's like a eureka moment. I realized what I want to do. And I just kind of want to mm. pinpoint to your readers that it was kind of like a, a slow unraveling journey to understand what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, so I think, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the, you know, kind of a BME family. I grew up in London. Uh, being a doctor was the only way that was perceived kind of the best way to have an impact and to do something good with your life. Right. Whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah, as I'm sure you guys would agree, it's accepted and well-respected profession. And I almost feel like a lot of people with a lot of people in medical school is that getting into medicine was the right thing for a clever kid to do at sixth form, right? So if you did well at, Absolutely. yeah, if you did well at GCSEs, if you did well at A-levels and you're kind of asking yourself, what should I do? I didn't know about the working world. I didn't know about the plethora of other jobs you could do, the different career options. I just knew there was engineer, doctor, um, and then some other degree. Uh, but, so when it came to face it, I was like, oh, I'll just do the right thing and I'll go and do medicine. And then, but then mm. over that, kind of three years between sixth form and so on, I started to actually develop uh, an interest in medicine. I wanted to become a humanitarian surgeon. That was like, uh, I thought that was pretty cool, you know, like going to remote places and and helping people that were desperately in need. And that's what drove me. Um, That's what was kind of like my mission in the first few years of medical school. And it kind of explains why I did the things I did in the first three or four years of medical school. So, so yes, I kind of went, went abroad and worked in Libya uh, before joining medical school during the civil war. And that was my eye opener. And that's what made me realize, oh, it's so cool to kind of do humanitarian medicine. Um, And I decided then and then that was like the Eureka moment for medicine. It's like, that's it. I want to do medical school. I, I enjoyed working in this kind of like, environment and having that kind of impact so you know i did okay my levels obviously mm-hmm. you guys know the story uk cat dmat um and you're in med school right um so yeah so that's kind of how i got into medical school and kind of having landed at ucl which is 
obviously second to none other than Kings. Um, <laughs> See, this is your uh, podcast, so you can how, edit me out anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, bro, we, we literally fight anyone that's non-Kings and everyone that's Kings, all of a sudden we have like a soft spot for them. Um, but putting the fighting aside, yeah. um, how have you found, you know, medical school as a medical student? Is it what you perceived it to be while, you know, being driven to apply and get in? Um, and then kind of take us through that journey where you suddenly transition into this tech role. Um, so just yeah. so we get a good insight as to when it happened for you. Yeah, so I think when I first started med school, I was keen, fresh, like a lot of other people, ready to kind of embark on this amazing journey that I was promised. Um, uh, and it and it is, it, it was the first few years, but then I kind of started getting a bit disillusioned. Um, and it's mainly around the fact that I realized there was a lot of learning and I'm not against learning, but I felt like a lot of the learning was rote and I was just memorizing things. Um, and I think part of that is because maybe UCL has that preclinical clinical split mm. where you're not seeing the practical applications mm. of what you're learning. Um, so I busied myself with loads of other stuff. Um, so I kind of did some stuff with the army and then I became really interested in leadership and management. Uh, and that's when I started setting up the UCL's leadership management society in my second year in university. At this point, kind of with medicine, I was just doing it. I, my mind was already looking at other things and I still wanted to be a humanitarian surgeon. I was still interested in that. So I thought, what's the ways to maximize my chances of becoming that was, I thought was to invest in skills that would make me a better kind of more robust kind of person. So I thought leadership management skills would be good, kind of living in the wilderness type skills, fitness and that kind of stuff would be good. And that's mm -hmm. what, was, what drove me the most. But when I set up leadership management society, the kind of speakers that we brought in and so on began to open my eyes to the fact that a lot of people and some of them, a lot of them medics would have other careers outside of medicine, right? So you may, you know, consulting, mm -hmm. some people went off to found startups, uh, some people, you know, there's a lot of things you could do. And I started, that slowly started to, that realization began to dawn on me. And I think it was in, in third year when doing this leisure management society that I did a hackathon at uh, his Boston consulting group, the consultancy firm did a hackathon and it wasn't, it wasn't a technical hackathon. Um, it was more of like, and I was, by the way, and I was afraid of what hackathons were. I thought hackathons sounded like. Bro, just before you go on, I think, do you mind explaining what a hackathon is? Because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are kind of oblivious to all of these terminologies. Mm -hmm. So um, it'd be good if you can kind of explain as you go along. Yeah, no, of course. And if I put myself in my shoes back then, I, I was intimidated by the word, right? It sounds like you have to be a coder, you have mm -hmm. to know how to program. Um, and it's just where Definitely. engineers come together to build stuff. So I was like, I mean, I could code, but very badly at this point. Um, and not nothing I'd be able to build a product in a, in a weekend or something. But what I loved about this was actually they said, you don't need to code. We need medics because it was like a health tech focused hackathon. We also have engineers, we have designers. Mm. You bring your skill set, you'll be matched with complementary skill sets and you work on a problem. And that I was lucky that that event really broke it down for me. And when I was there, I met some engineers, I met some designers. We worked on some sort of, I remember, some sort of vaccination app or something like that. And that's where kind of where I started to realize, oh, wow, like, like this is, I have some domain knowledge in, in healthcare. I worked with an engineer who has some skills. I worked with a designer and we built something by the end of the weekend. And that was a real turning point, mm. a real realization of, I mean, this idea, right? It never went anywhere, but it had the potential to, like, if this was built, like we did mm. and everything, like this, this could solve like, you know, millions of lives here or like cure this million number of diseases or, and I realized that impact can be achieved, not just purely through clinical medicine. Of course, in clinical medicine, it's directly face-to-face, -face, but I realized that impact can be achieved on sometimes larger scales 
through initiatives, right? Through maybe uh, a product or a self service or policy. That's what opened my eyes. Um, so anyway, I went back uh, to medical school, started fourth year, and I began to just self-teach programming. I'd always tinkered around with like, you know, HTML, CSS, basic web design when I was growing up. But mm. I started to take it a bit more seriously. I kind of self-taught myself uh, Python from the foundations, algorithms uh, and data structures uh, and just using Udemy courses uh, if people are asking. And there's a course by Harvard mm. called CS50, which is a very tough course. But if you can do CS50, you can do a master's in computer science almost. Uh, it, it's it's oh. that's it, it's tough. Not many people finish it. Uh, admittedly, I've only done 80% of the course, but it's a fantastic course. Um, mm. So I started doing those in my fourth year of medical school. And that's when I started to realize, like, I'm really interested in this technology thing. Like, you could build stuff and you could have an impact. Um, so, so I'm trying to recollect it. Like, where did I go from then? So I started, yes. So I've met a few people on that hackathon and we started building a few ideas. Uh, none of them went anywhere. It's just a startup idea. We were looking at baby milestones, for example. Like, how mm. can we, how can we, mm. um, like, help mothers track baby milestones? Because, you know, there's so many milestones and it's like mums mm -hmm. are always worried about whether their babies doing the right thing or not at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, so we built that, right? Like that in my head back then, it was like, oh, this, I'm finally doing this startup thing. This is going to go. And we tried raising money for it mm -hmm. and things like that. <laughs> it never went anywhere. And, you know, right mm -hmm. now, you guys yourself might be aware, like a lot of medical students seem to be running startups and things like that. Um, it's, yeah. I, I have this running thing where I say medical students are now founders and then stu uh, medical students second. 100%. As in like there seems to be, especially at UCL, like everyone's a, a startup co-founder, founder there. And it's very intimidating yeah. when I speak to UCL students when like, man, you guys are like such a talented bunch out there, not to kind of put that yeah. in any other med school, but like the, the, the way medical students are transitioning I imagine it's a, it's a tech savvy nation generally, you know, people are using Instagram, Twitter, mm. Facebook, Tumblr, all of these amazing things. Whereas I know when I first started med school, I don't know, I probably feel old now, this wasn't prevalent as in it was get in, enjoy your time, get through the system, get as fast through training and become a consultant as soon as you can. Yes. Whereas having graduated, now I'm seeing this trend of everyone's taking their time with training. Some people are not even going into foundation training or they're doing F1, F2, similar to me and I'm taking time out of training and medical students are a bit more relaxed with it. And it's amazing. I, I think it's so refreshing to see it. But at the same time, I'm an old school medic student with regards to you guys, and it is a bit daunting. Mm. Um, but yeah, I definitely do understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's, it, and I kind of, I mean, there are people that knock it and they say, you're there doing medicine, so focus on medicine. And then there are other people that are like, mm. no, tech's gonna change the world. This startup's gonna change the world. And I kind of sit in between. Mm. I think I think it's a good thing to do if you're looking for things outside of medicine, because whereas I doubt most medical student startup ideas aren't gonna go anywhere. I mean, I mean, most most of them, maybe statistically speaking, but what it does is it equips you with mm. fantastic skills, um, working cross-functionally okay. with other people. You learn how to bring an idea tell the story cohesively, um, have a pitch, have a narrative. These are all fantastic skills for anything you do later in life. So I'm a proponent in the sense of mm. like, use them as like playgrounds to learn at no risk to yourself. You're still at medical school. You still have a nice comfortable job when you graduate, which is a perk that I think we're very lucky as medical students to have, you know, um, yeah. which is like, you know, I was saying someone was asking me, uh, like, I think they're in sixth form and they were saying like, I don't know what to do. And this is, may sound like bad advice or contradictory, but I was like, go into medicine if you don't know what to do um, because it kind of gives you the time to, <laughs> to figure it out and that's not what the <laughs> probably not what you want to tell the admissions officers um, 
But I think looking back, it gave me the time to figure out what I like and why not. And you know what? At the end of it, if you realize you don't like anything, you still have medicine to do and it's a fantastic career and you have a great time doing it, right? Um, but anyway, I veered off there. Um, so yeah, I was starting out this, trying out this startup thing. And on the side, I remember I got involved with this research project where they were looking at um, detecting polyps uh, uh, on when you know, on just trying to detect polyps on. Um, sorry, it's late at night. My, my mind's sleeping. What's the? You said the camera up the back passage. Colonoscopy, yes, colonoscopy. Uh, colonoscopy. Yeah. colonoscopy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, it's a long day of medical revision for finals and, and my head's gone black. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's fine. looking great for finals, isn't it? Um, but anyway, colonoscopy, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we were looking at polyps and I remember with my rough Python skills, right? This researcher who's doing a PhD um, was saying, uh, we have loads of videos that we want you to edit and just label the polyps, right? And I remember being like, yeah, I'll join on just to label polyps. And then I started tinkering with what if I build a system that auto labels the polyps um, or for example, can can make the video editing process and streamline it, right? And I built the system and they loved it. It kind of yeah. reduced the, the the data processing pipeline for like getting from videos to labeled, up, to labeled videos at the end, uh, but like let's mm. say three or four times, right? And that was just me using skills I'd learned in my side time, uh, spare, spare time and applying them mm. to a real world problem. And that that was like a drug that really got hooked me onto like, I want to go and learn this properly, take a year out um, and do this. And, and at the time, I think this was towards the end of fourth year and I started fifth year and it's idea of like, okay, I need to just take a time out to really dive into this uh, computer science kind of engineering skills uh, and see, and also a break from medicine. Cause I felt like before I had a mission, right? Like, you know, like you said earlier, um, so it's like, you're going through, you, you want to do foundation, you want to finish med school, foundation, uh, specialty training, consultant, and you had your life mapped out to 30, right? And I was there and yeah. now I felt like, wait a minute, like there's so many things out there. I need to like almost hit reset button and realize what I want to do again. So that's when the idea for a master's computer science uh, uh, came into my mind. Um, I think it was in fifth year. Uh, so yeah, so that's how I began to get into tech. Kind of before you kind of made that decision to kind of do tech, yeah. what were your peers doing? Um, once you are kind of playing and toying with the idea of tech and kind of seeing the benefits of doing it, especially with a, a, a clinical background, having done a few years of medical, mm. what were kind of your colleagues and peers doing? Were they still kind of gunning for first center ranking? Were they still doing lots of publications and audits? Uh, did you feel a bit of an outsider anomaly in that circle or compared to the wider community in med school? Because it is a bit different. I want to kind of understand how it was for you guys at UCL. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. And do you know what? Like, I think I have a bit of a strange answer to that in the sense that I think if I look at the wider medical school body and it's a body, a body of students mm -hmm. I never really identified with, it's very, it's quite competitive at UCL in the sense that people are just, when they get into year four and year five, and it's quite sad, I think, they're really focused on decile rankings, right? It's like, I need oh, to get first decile. And, and sure, that's that's great. But what does it really matter? In the end of the day, it's just you get a slightly better place, but everyone's doing the same foundation year program, give or take, right? Yeah. So that was yeah, the wider, yeah, exactly, right? So that was the wider atmosphere around me, sure. But I never sensed it. And that's because I was lucky that my friendship group and the people around me and that was because since first year, I've always been off doing random things and never really been the best medical student. Academically, I'm an okay medical student. I get through my exams. Thankfully, I've never, part, I've never failed an exam. But the friendship group I kept around have always been doing different things, right? So I had a friend that's currently mm -hmm. running a startup, like a raised uh, venture capital. I have another friend that's into consulting. Um, I have another medical student that 
later became my wife, Yasmin, you've you interviewed in the podcast before. She was into uh, the technology and did my master's in computer science with me. So luckily I was surrounded by people that were always exploring other things. So I never really felt the pressure until it came to three months away from exams. And I'm like, oh no, I haven't been surrounded by proper medics. Now I need to actually work. Uh, so that's the answer to that. I hope, I hope that answers your question. Okay. No, that's quite interesting. As in like, um, where everyone's very conscious of like, you know, your closest five friends or the people you hang around kind of dictate yes. the way you perceive life, dictate the way you, you approach things. Um, I think it's very similar to the way me and Ams were prior to podcasting. We were very heavily involved in kind of maternal aid charities, yes. you know, working closely with the Mars charity and kind of running finance and governance and, you know, got to 200 members. Um, and then suddenly we transitioned into this. I just feel there are probably a lot of medics out there mm-hmm. that, love this stuff they enjoy it and they probably hear you doing so many amazing wonderful things but they may be surrounded by people saying oh you know what don't worry about that don't focus about that it's, it's important you get from med school it's important you know you yeah. work super hard to get here don't waste this and what advice would you impart to those individuals that are like man i wish i could code i wish i could develop something of my own we have no experience so mm. what would you say see if you'd asked me this a few months ago or even a year ago i would have given a uh, different answer uh, i think the answer I would have given was just, and I think it's still a, a, true to some extent, is if you do feel this urge and tendency, right, to, to want to do other things outside of that, then by all means, it's not it's not risky for you to go and test the water, right? If you can, for example, mm-hmm. like when I was doing fourth year medicine, I'd wake up early, right? I've always been an early riser. Um, so I'd wake up four or five. And I tell myself the first three hours of the morning, right? WhatsApp's dead. No one's talking on it. No one's on Facebook. Nothing's changed. It's my time. I don't have to go into clinics until nine, right? Those three or four hours is my time. And I would dedicate that to whatever skill I want to learn. I still do that. I think, I think it's a fantastic way of focusing yourself, right? And at that time, I just spent, bought a Udemy course and cracked on with it, right? So if my advice to those kind of people was back then is like, like lean into that and explore it and you won't regret it. However, I've started to kind of, mellow out with that advice a little bit and i think that you've got to really ask yourself the question of why am i wanting to do other things that feel like i can't get into them because for some people it's more of like just being unhappy with a current time in medical school they feel like maybe morale is really low amongst f1s and so on and they want to they're seeing their you know friends that did investment banking and are making you know six figures and they're like what am i doing in my life that's probably a poor time to start thinking about um you kind of, you're not in the right frame of mind to really think about, you know, you want to dive into coding because guess what happens with most of these people that kind of think like that and they dive into coding because they think it's the hot, sexy thing to do is that they quit two months in, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, it's kind of like, I feel like you didn't give it its justice, right? Because it can be rewarding. So my advice is like, you got to ask yourself really, what do you want in life? Where do you envisage happiness and satisfaction in your job life to come from? Because don't get me wrong, there are many doctors that love being doctors and that's the doctor I respect most is a doctor that's not sat there mm. being like, oh man, I wish I could be doing this, this, that, that. It's like, no, that medicine is my pure focus. I'll do it. I'll excel in it. Um, mm. So yeah, it's kind of, instead of, it's, a, it's the first question I tell them is like, ask yourself really, and try to investigate, right? What will give you the most satisfaction? What are your real skill sets? Where do you think are best applied? And if you do think coding could be mm. an answer to that, like maybe doing your own startup and you want to learn some skills, by all means, go for it. But then when you do go for it, you mm. have a lot more conviction and you're more likely to, to stick through if that is what is for you bit of a convoluted yeah. answer i know but <laughs> uh, 
I hope that clarifies. Um, when it, when it comes to you, you said um, previously that you taught yourself and you sort of did Udemy modules and so forth. Yeah. Um, I'm of the opinion that you can learn whatever you want yes. online. You don't have to go to an institution. You don't have to go to Harvard or wherever. Um, give us some insight into the various different things you did to teach yourself to get you where you are today. Um, I think you know, going back to what I said earlier, um, carving out the space. Uh, making it a priority, right? You know, people say they're always busy, but in reality, it's more of a question of what are you prioritizing? Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. Mm. Um, so you need to make a list of, mm. I think it's at Warren Buffet that says, you know, make a list of 25 things you want to get done in your life and then cancel the, the 20 of them and only go focus on the five that you think are the most. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of idea. So that's my first advice. If, if it's not a priority, it won't get done. So make it a priority if that's what you want to learn. That's the first advice. Another insight is mm-hmm. patience. It takes time to see results and anything in life, like, you know, medical school itself, right? It's six years before you get to work as a doctor. So, you know, you need to have that discipline and patience before you see any positive outcomes. You starting to code now doesn't mean you're going to build a startup in two months, right? Uh, at least as an engineer on that startup. So, so yeah, that's my kind of two main pieces of advice. So just before I kind of digress and, you know, cut you off in the, in the mid story, tell us, about this transition to doing a master's um, into computer science. What does it entail? There may be other UCL medics that may be interested. So what did you learn? What were the difficulties? um, And how has it changed you as an individual? Um, Yeah, so the decision actually to do a master's in computer science came very late into fifth year, right? So I think the the applications, you know, are open from like now until about April. And it was in end of March that I decided that I, I'm going to take the leap because I was actually scared. Um, I was very terrified of just leaving medicine, leaving this path that I've, I've already began on. And I think that's a lot of f- uh, fear that many students can have. Um, so that was the first fear is like actually rationalizing to myself, like taking a year out, not that big a deal. You know, you're not going to fall behind in medicine and so on. And then, so that was the first thing is like, I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I'd love it, but I was just afraid of, you know, stepping off that treadmill, like foundation year, uh, special training, become a consultant. And I'd be a year behind. Uh, so I had to rationalize that fear in my head first. And then yeah. uh, luckily I, I had uh, my wife Yasmin then at the time um, around and she was super interested in this. And we kind of, sometimes we had fears about like, are we doing the right thing? You know, we're a year away from graduating as doctors. Is it silly to do a master's now? Once we got over that stage, uh, we were like, right, let's put in an application. So we put in our application um, and we just showed some examples of code we've done. The, the course CS50 gave us a bit of work that we could show, uh, put in an application. Uh, Yasmin, obviously very intelligent person, got, got her offer straight away. I was basically didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. The deadline to hear back and was about to loom. And I realized basically everyone that had got an offer had gotten it, had been told, and I was going to be in the rejection mm. pile. And that was like, oh, wow. oh man, like, what like i already psyched myself up for this i don't want to go back to fight it's like med school again yeah it's like oh it's like med school again. you know when you're laughing med school and you're waiting yeah. and everyone's getting interviews and it's like it's like results there and you're like man we've been there so how was how yeah. was that how did you kind of mentally prepare did you feel like damn i've made the wrong decision yeah like so, tell us about that yeah so first of all i was like okay like i want to do this masters right so there's surely there must be another way right i mean it's very competitive it's like they get about 800 to 1,000 applications and there's like 50 spots. So first of all, I was like, okay, like I don't, they don't tell you who the admissions tutor is, right? Because then you might like, I don't know. Well, this is well, this is why they don't tell you because of what I'm going to tell you now. So 
I was like, I need to find who the admissions tutor is. Luckily, I'm a UCL student already. I'm doing the master's at UCL. So that shouldn't be difficult. So I'll go and find mm. the computer science department. I find where their offices are. I turn up to the to the main reception. I'm like, do you know who runs the master's computer science? Thing? And they told me the name of this person. I'm like, okay, that's my target. Um, and they're like, oh, so like, where's her office? She's like, uh, a US student. I was like, no, no, I'm not. I just, just know where her office is. And she goes, no, I'm not going to tell you that information. So I was like, okay, right. So I managed to dig out her office somehow online. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to rock up and I'm just going to give her a pitch there and then like why I should be allowed to um, to, to do this master's and why I, they should take me on. Um, so I try to find her office, I rock up and I sit outside and it's like an empty room. So like I turn up to her, so knock and there's, there's no one in there, there's no reply. And I'm thinking, oh, I've tried everything at this point. Like I've even knocked, knocked on this person's door and they're not in and it seems like an empty office, it's not the right place. So I go home quite feeling quite dejected and so on. And two days later, my dad's like, um, why, don't you, why don't you go try again? Like one more time. I was like, what's the point? Like, if they wanted me, they would have given me the offer. And I tried finding this person to ask them, and they're being super elusive about it anyway. It was like, just give it one more shot. So <laughs> I went back the next day, turned up to the same office. And then outside, I found the room closed, but there was another room and it was empty. And it was outside, there was like, uh, there'd been a meeting going on, you know, when you had that catering, so like some snacks and brownies and cupcakes mm. and stuff. Oh, I see. What yeah. Mean. So I was like, do you know what? I couldn't find this person the second time around. I'm just going to help myself to some cupcakes and brownies. And then I just nice. pick up some brownies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might as well treat myself. Pick up a brownie and start munching into it, feeling sorry for myself. And around the corner turns that admissions teeth and it was it was her meeting room, and I was eating the brownies and cupcakes. Oh. And I was like, this is a great start to, to pitch her as to why I should join the masters. Um, but I was like, quickly, it went into like pitch mode. Is like, listen, like I've applied to masters computer science, haven't heard back. I know I might be be on the rejection pile right now, but here's why you should take me. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this. Like this is my portfolio. I've also even mm. sorted out an internship my summer. Like, trust me, I'm very serious about this. She goes, like, listen, I can't promise mm. you anything, but we'll see what we can do. And that night I got an, I got an offer in. Um, so, That's so yeah, That's the morale from the story was, you know, sometimes you get no's, right? But you have to, and I, this is a lesson for me. Like, I'm not saying this is a cliche. Like I genuinely realized if you want something, you can go and hustle to make it happen. Right? Don't sit there expecting some I stuff. I definitely agree, man. I definitely agree. And I think um, it's like, you always hear about all these entrepreneurs and founders and this whole notion as, as, a, as, a, as a, a founder of, how do you turn that no into a yes and it's like you know the peloton founder if you listen to his podcast he got you know he got rejected by 200 odd vcs and angels and he went on this quest of however he could to kind of turn into mm. a yes and i can see the same thing here and i think it's always worth a shot and it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear how committed you were to it and i think when you get rejected it makes you even more committed if you truly love to do it in the first place mm-hmm. i.e there may be a lot of people that once they applied to med school got rejected but that reinforced this dedication commitment do you know what i really love it i want to give it another shot whereas other people if they were a bit flimsy from the get-go maybe like ah do you know what leave it um so i'm really glad you went and yeah. got yourself onto the onto the it, it shows that you didn't just passively accept life's decision to you and rather you were the one making the decisions um so yeah kudos to you no, you guys that. subbed it up perfectly basically yeah uh it was it was a it was an amazing growth moment for myself yeah and i think uh, you know I... how was the 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 master itself was it as in i want to kind of get insight in terms of Ooh, yeah medical school pre-clinical medicine then shop floor working as a clinical student all of a sudden you're 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 in a tech lecture kind of describe that what it was when i tell you it was a shock to the system (laughs) a hundred percent so doing udemy courses and online 
courses is a very different game from academic computer science. And that was my first lesson. And actually, there's a bit of advice in there in the sense of like, if you want to learn to program so you can build stuff, you don't need to do a master's in computer science. You just need to go and do some online courses, right? So that was the first lesson, is that yeah. computer science is very theoretical. There's a lot of mathematics involved. Uh, maths wasn't my favorite subject. I could do it, but it's not my favorite subject. So it was interesting, <laughs> definitely quite stressful. and made me wish I could go back <laughs> to medical school where all I, had to, all I had to do was just do pasta, just mash pasta. Because um, there's a lot of like, <laughs> a lot of thinking. And you know the thinking where your head hurts, like logical thinking, where it's like you can feel your brain like heating up. Um, so yeah, so that was definitely a challenge. But luckily, um, luckily the thing with computer science is that if your lecturers are bad or you don't understand any concept, there's like a million and one videos to explain that same concept to you online. Um, so luckily, like I was able to get through that with just a lot of online teaching and education. Um, and yeah, so they teach you a bunch of things. They teach you from the foundations really. Um, and funnily enough, a lot of computer science is just mathematics. Uh, so a lot of algorithms, a lot of looking at like how things and how things work, because once you get that understanding, then you can, it's not about what programming languages, you know, it's more about you understand how it works and what, you know, what the code is aiming to do and how it works, then you can learn any languages because it's just more of like the spelling, right? The difference between Python and JavaScript mm. is more of just spelling or syntax. So that was another another mm. learning point during the master's year. Another thing I just remembered and it was interesting. So you finished your master's and now you've kind of learned that skill set, um, gone back into um, clinical medicine or studying as a final year medical student. You mentioned that before you, you kind of got that know you won the rejection pile you talked about the internships you've landed. When we were in med school, kind of internships in the summer was unheard of. It was about going away, spending time with your friends, family, you know, taking a chill back from med school. Mm -hmm. um, how do people that are interested in this go about securing internships, maybe having never done it before? I know it's very popular in the law world, in the corporate finance sector, but as a medic, how do you go about doing it? Where are those opportunities? How do they go and find it and make themselves a viable candidate? Yeah, um, you know, first thing I want to say, before I ramble on is to anyone that's listening that's in their first year to third year of medical even fourth year go and secure internships in your summers um because you're not doing anything else in your summers unless you're doing some some research or something right like don't just spend your summers traveling I know like yeah, yeah like traveling is important and whatever but if you want to focus on learning as much about how the world works and so on go and land an internship and go for the top mm. firms, right? There's consulting, there's BCG, McKinsey, um, Bain. Um, there is banking internships that you can go and do. And all of these, by the way, love medical students because medical students, you know, without blowing our own trumpets, are very talented, um, very well-rounded individuals that make excellent, uh, excellent uh, kind of uh, interns and, and future graduates. And you don't have to take their job with them. You just learn a lot by going and throwing yourself into understanding how the real world works. So 100% recommend you do it. And the pay is often fantastic. So you will pay your whole uni fees in the 10 weeks that you mm. intern. So that's my first kind of uh, piece of advice is you can like focus on what you want to do. So is it investment banking? Is it consulting? Is it maybe if you can code and uh, software in uh, engineering internship, find what you want to do, learn what it is. Cause every kind of game, every kind of internship, everything like that has some rules that you have to learn to play the game to get in, uh, learn those, ask people that have done it mm. and then go and maximize your learning in the summers. Uh, but back to my experience. So actually, I was always I was interested in consulting. I considered applying for that for internships. But what I did mention actually during my masters um, that when I started my masters, I myself, my wife started a, a company, a medical education company that got accepted by Facebook 
uh, for mm-hmm. for as oh, an incubator. Wow. So we were taken by Facebook, we were working at Facebook London headquarters. You know, the free food, all that, all that jazz, having our nice office space. It was all the perks. Yeah, all the perks. And this was at the same time as the non-existent the NHS perks. The, non, the non-existent NHS perks. Don't get me started. Um, but uh, <laughs> it wears off. It wears off though. So <laughs> that's that's one thing going for it. But uh, anyway, so this was actually uh, going back to the masters in computer science. This was very stressful because actually we weren't turning up to lectures. We were doing them online and running our company uh, within Facebook's incubator most of, most of, most of the, for those three month periods between November and March. But anyway, when I was there, mm. I, that's when I started to realize like, uh, and this is going on to what I decided to do with my future was that I was working with engineers. I was working with designers, Facebook designers, and Facebook engineers to work on our product. And there was this group of people called product managers. And um, I was really interested in their role. Uh, and basically product managers are for, for any people that are not aware are basically people that sit between engineering and design and business and help decide what the product is going to look like, where it goes and so on. And, and this links to internships because when I was working with them, I was like, I really like this job. It's like the perfect job for me. It's like running a startup hmm. without running a startup. So it's like I'm running a startup inside a company. Yeah. Um, so I met a few product managers hmm. and they recommended to me there's Google program called uh, Associate Product Manager. So it's so like throwing an application for the internship. Uh, somehow I didn't know how like competitive that was. I was just like, yeah, sure, let me throw in an application. Um, and then, and that's how I got into the internship. So the Facebook thing I used as, I mean, the startup didn't manage to raise funding and we had to close it down because they wanted us to drop out of medical school to run it full time. And, and I wasn't willing to take that risk. So we both shelved the mm. idea in March and focused on uh, on finishing medical school. So I used that. Just while you're yeah. on that, how difficult was that process where You've just been accepted into Facebook Incubator, which in itself is amazing. You've got this startup idea, which I'm sure you had some degree of traction and believed in it. And yeah. if they're clearly telling you to leave medical to do it, like it's got legs, right? How do you make that decision? Like, you know, sometimes you only get that one opportunity. Kind of work us through that mindset and framework. Yeah, that, uh, that was a tough decision. So basically, uh, so we had, had an idea. We had about 60 to 100 users that have tried it. Um, and we got some good feedback on it. So it was going well. We got to Facebook and they started ripping us apart. They're like, wait a minute, like how are you going to get to revenue? Like proper business nitty gritty, like um, how are you going to get your first revenue? Uh, how are you going to scale this? How are you going to grow this? And we realized that it's a lot of work. And our idea was basically working automating OSCEs. So you don't have to practice OSCE with a friend. You could practice it with a voice bot. So we built this uh, voice bot that you could do. And we, we had a kind of an MVP as well. That's why Facebook was really interested in us. Mm. They were looking at incorporating this uh, technology within their messenger bots as like a health education type thing. Mm. Um, so they were pushing us to go and speak to some investors. And, and it was it was a really interesting moment when you're hearing an investor and they're like, so what are you looking to raise? And I'm just pulling a number out of my mm. thin air. I'm like, yeah, 300K <laughs> would be good. And he turns around and he says, when when do you want to get that by? First, I was like, wait, why didn't he just, you know, be surprised that I wanted 300K? But he was like, when do you think you'll exactly. get that by? Yeah. And I was like, uh, we want to close this round by like April. And this is, bear in mind, we were in January. Mm. And he turns around and goes, no, no, that's too yeah. slow. You should be able to close that within two, three months. And I was just like, what? Like, this oh, guy is wow. just talking about giving you 300K to, to, to run this <laughs> thing full time. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was a surreal moment. And it made me super excited and stoked. But it was a difficult decision of when you when you take investors money they want you to they want to know that you're 110 percent in right you're not just doing this on the side as a side hustle right and for us so far it's been Mm -hmm. we're doing a masters we're doing this thing yes it has legs and it can go somewhere did we want to go full-time with it and 
I don't know what to tell you, man. You just got to ask advice to loads of different people um, see what other opportunities are. For me, medical school, I needed to finish medical school. Uh, it was very important for me hmm. over anything else. I knew I'd have plenty more ideas. I have the skill sets. I could go and raise more money if I needed to have an idea. I wasn't worried about that. And I realized, actually, I'm just a year away from graduating medical school. I don't want to throw that away. That's a personal hmm. decision. Someone else might have told yeah, me, exactly. you're an idiot. So um, hmm. that's how I came to that. I spoke with my co-founder. She was also of the same opinion. And we thought, hmm. no, let's, let's, let's shelf this for now. It's an interesting idea. I really believed in it, but I didn't think it was enough to not get my medical degree. So that's why we shelved it. But it's a very personal decision at the end of the day, right? No, of course. And I think um, it is difficult to make those decisions so acutely in those moments of time. But fair credit and testament to you. Because um, I think it may have been such a short-term gain with a long-term damage. And what you did is probably a safer and best option. And in hindsight, I'm sure when you look back after a good 10, 15, 20 years, you'll probably be like, Do you know what? I'm glad I made that decision. Had it been a few years before, or a few years post-grad, let's say F1, F2, we all know what F1's like, we all know what f is like, would you have taken the offer uh, and run with it? Yes, I, I would 100% like to, to have interested investors or an interested idea. I think doing a startup is fantastic for learning, for growth, for experience. You're never going to screw up your career if you do it well and you have venture capital. Um, so, mm. so I would have taken 100% if I was in third year, I would have not finished medical school. Uh, and if I was in F1, F2, I would have mm-hmm. taken it and gone full time because at those stages, right? Like if I quit a third year, then I still have my BSc, right? It's like I went and did the BSc. But if, and if yeah, I quit in F1, then I can always come back and be a doctor. But quitting a year before medical school, yeah. I felt like, you know, it's also for my family, right? Like they, they wanted a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm the eldest child. It, it, there's a lot of sentiment attached mm-hmm. to it. So I really, I, I mm-hmm. couldn't take that decision. But yeah, to answer your question, I would have, yeah. No. Coming back to the point before we digress, yeah. was, so you were at Facebook and then you kind of got an insight into this this hybrid role of being a product manager. You threw in the application to be an intern, kind of continue with that yeah. um, story. So um, I think, you know, luckily I didn't know how like competitive the Google associate product manager uh, thing is um, because they, they infamously rejected the co-founder of Instagram when they applied in 2004. Uh, so like I yeah because oh, wow. wow. of because of that the, the high technical standard that bar that needs to pass but luckily I didn't know any of that I just thought oh they called they gave me replied back an email saying yeah we'd like to give you a phone interview and I was like oh crap like how do you even prepare for a product manager interview and when I say I was very lucky uh, throughout this journey uh, I, I you know like I don't know how to describe it. like I was I was very fortunate um, I went and got I went and kind of just got bought a book on how to crack the product manager interview. And I didn't know it was like the same to consulting. People had done like 60, 70 interviews, practicing uh, product design, product engineering yeah. and things like that. And I think what helped me, and this is kind of a takeaway for everyone else is that, you know, doing this startup stuff, you know, over the last three, four years, having these loads of ideas, trying to pitch them, uh, doing all this kind of like stuff that doesn't appear to be making any real world impact, but the skills you learn was so valuable for me in this process because I had inherent mm-hmm. skills of being able to talk about product, to talk about users, to talk about the design, to talk about how to get it, strategy. All of these things really helped me in the sense of like, I didn't need as much interview prep as other people. Um, so Absolutely. yeah, the phone interview, which is, and their, and their interview questions are around like, for example, how would you design a watch for kids, right? So you have to break it down. Who's the main user? What are the, what are their requirements? What would the ideally kind of what would be the problems you're trying to solve for and so on. So it's really interesting. 
Um, I managed to get through to uh, like a take-home assignment and then after that into a final round interview and I got the offer. And it was only then that they told me it was like, mm. I think they get 8,000 applications around the world for like 30 places, 40, 40 wow, places. Wow, around the world, so, yeah. So yeah, I was, I, was, I was very lucky to get... <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> um, so I was very lucky to get, to get, to get this internship uh, and I didn't know how hard it was, but it, I was fortunate it worked out. Um, but yeah, so... And then I started that in the summer after doing my computer science exams. Um, it was a really interesting role. I loved it. And that's when I realized this is what I want to do as a career. As of now, maybe ask me in five, 10 years or the team of mine. But as of now, um, <laughs> it was, um, uh, I mean, yeah, would you like to go into it in terms of what it was like? So it seems as if you are someone that loved and enjoyed coding. And then this whole went through it, Facebook incubators, the masters, and now in this hybrid role. Explain what that role actually encompasses or what you did on a day-to-day basis. And does it still mean that you can continue coding or is it more like a, yeah. like a senior role where you're kind of managing, dictating strategies? So kind of break that down. So effectively the, the role, and this is what Google's infamous for, is that they only take computer science students onto the role or someone with technical ability, right? Because you have to be technical, but you don't code. So the way it works is that You've got to be technical in the sense that Google is an engineering first company, right? They really value their engineers, they prioritize them. So I've got to be able to sit down with an engineer. So if I have a product idea for something, then I've got to be able to sit down with an engineer and be able to speak their language. I need to be able to go over their code and understand what they're trying to do and offer and offer my opinion on that, right? So whereas I don't need to code, the job involves no coding day to day. That's why you do need a computer science background. But in terms of like what it involves, so... Uh, you get, I, c- I can't say what team I worked on exactly, but you get you get allocated to a team, right? And in that team, there'll be uh, three to four engineers. Uh, there'll be two or three designers, maybe some salespeople, um, and you're the product manager. So what your job is, um, I was working on a search product uh, within Google search, is that, and you're given this product on the Google search page where I'm in charge of what version two of it will look like. And that was quite intimidating, right? Like this product has about uh, 700 million annual impressions, like 700 million people see this annually. Mm-hmm. So wow. it, it, like, that's the thing with working in some of these companies that you don't realize the scale of, of, of the products you work on. And it was like, they've given, they've given me the responsibility to think about what version two will look like to design it. So you have to then, first of all, the first few weeks of my internship was working with designers to be like, what do you want the version mm-hmm. two to look like? What are the problems we're trying to solve for? How would the users engage with it? What angle do you want to take it? What's the strategy that I want to present? Then the designers come up with mock-ups of what they think it should look like and what they think it should mm. do. So then I have to then work with engineers to write the technical specifications of the product that they're going to build. The, the engineer might be like, oh, for this feature, it will take three weeks. And I'll be like, mm, does it really? Because you know, if you tech, if you have the technical skills, you can have that engage, you have that discussion with the engineer about the technical mm. requirements for the product. So that's where that comes in. Awesome. And then, yeah. and then, if you're lucky, uh, you get to see it launch, right? So the engineers work on building it, and your job then is to clear the pathway for the engineers of the product launch. You know, whether that's working with PR, mm-hmm. whether that's working with legal, whatever, to see the product launch, and then that's like a happy day. It's like, oh, you've launched your first product, and you get to see it live. Like I go in there online, I can see my product. I think I worked on there live. Um, so that was the internship. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And it's, 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 I was, it was very interesting mm-hmm. in the sense that they throw you into the deep end. And they give you a lot of responsibility, right? And with a lot of responsibility comes a lot of growth and a lot of learning. And that's why I loved in it is they yeah. invested in you as a person. Um, so, yeah. Do you feel that has dictated your decision to kind of not pursue, you know, foundation training yeah. and perhaps go into that role full time? So is this a follow-up offer or 
is this like a completely different role uh, in a different company no so they so they gave me a full thing so they assess your performance and at the end you have some interviews and they look at what you've done over the summer and they, they gave me a return offer so the return offer the thing with this program is that the return offer is just for a year's time so when you graduate right mm -hmm. they don't delay the return offers so like some firms for example consulting so on they delay the return offer which if they would have delayed it i would have done f1 because i think it would be pretty good to just at least yeah. work as a doctor um, yeah. and get the registration mm -hmm. and so on but because they wouldn't delay it and i had to like mm -hmm. ask myself the hard question of um i i realized like i did want to do this as a job at least for the next three or four or five mm -hmm. years because my end goal is to build my own company and i realized this was the closest to being in the position to learn about that as much as possible until my yeah. my my yeah. idea or the vision or the mission I believe in comes along. But when I balanced it, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so if I don't do this and I have to reapply again next year after doing F1, do I stand a chance in the competition? And it's like, I don't think mm -hmm. so. I thought I thought I think I was very lucky to get through and have the interviews I did and so on. But I don't <laughs> almost maybe call it lack of self self confidence, imposter syndrome, whatever it is. I didn't think I believed I mm -hmm. had the skill to go through it again. Um, whereas I thought of F1, if I didn't like this job, I could always come back to F1 in the sense of like, I just have to uh, reapply again for the foundation program and, and you're kind of pretty much allowed to come in again. So that's what influenced my decision. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think it's probably a second most difficult decision that's in the short time of space we've been talking. But I think what you said, and I think is a very sensible way of doing it is, you kind of know where your end goal is. You know what you're comfortable doing in the next few years or so you're making informed decisions. So these are decisions you suddenly wake up in the morning and be like, damn, I saw this, I wanna do this. It's not things done in the moment. Um, mm. And I think sometimes as medics and having the conversations that can be coming out in the next few weeks with some of our guests is, we need to understand is, do we really truly enjoy our job? Are we getting the contentment that we probably once had prior to doing it a few years? Are we really happy in our careers? And it seems like you've, quite early identified where you're most happy where you're most content where you want to be and what are the paths and steps you can take to fulfill that um so then you know if you were to say to me or if someone else was saying me they made a similar decision i'll be like yeah it, it's sensible and it makes sense um yeah and i think it is important like you said if you're a doctor you should really love it because i've seen medics where their headspace is somewhere else as in they're mm. a doctor working but they are elsewhere as in they're not there they're thinking about something else sometimes you end up making mistakes sometimes things they're compromised you know yeah um so that is important because whatever you do you have to do it properly and i'm a firm believer in it yeah 100 I, I like that completely i've seen that as well on, on the wards and it's kind of it's kind of quite sad actually because like you see doctors that are going through the process and training and it's like some of them are just not happy to be there and it's like you have the control to go and leave, right? Like even if you just give yourself a few years to go and do that thing you always wanted, you'd come back. And I think a lot of it maybe is, and I had this as well. It was like a fear of like, I'm stepping off the treadmill. Is this a good thing to do? Like, this is so different, mm. right? And you've just got to rationalize that fear. Mm. I've had it as well. And and yeah, and I were talking on the ward there. People like, oh, so how do you break into this? How do you break into that? How do you do deck tech or this yeah. or that and it's just like you just have to go and do that do it there's nothing to really lose and the old the longer you leave it the yeah, more there is to lose in a way so yeah i agree yeah no it's good you echoed it and i was listening to a podcast this morning about the concept of quitting like you may be a medic for a few years not enjoying it quitting is just as important as starting something new and mm. it's never given praises you know quitters never win or quitters are losers if you're not really enjoying something you have to quit and try something else. So yep. there, there needs to be an element of that. Um, 
I'm conscious of time and, you know, I'm wary of taking up people's time and I know you're busy and you got finals. So um, just before we wrap up, any advice you'd give to people that are on this path of maybe I do want to explore tech. I do want to have my own startup. I'm not really enjoying medicine. And, and this is to junior doctors as well, because, you know, what advice would you give from your kind of experience? What has helped you in your decision making processes? Um, yeah, it, the, the, what makes this a difficult question is the fact that there are so many people in different situations with different interests and uh, so on. Mm. So it's definitely a case by case uh, basis. And it's about you really sitting down and saying, like, um, am I on a treadmill? Am I thinking the way I'm thinking because everyone else is thinking that around me? Right, right now, tech is a hype. Like, I'll be the first to say that. Um, a lot of people thinking like, oh, tech, I need to do tech, I need to do tech. I don't know what the hype will be in a few years. Uh, it could be consulting, it could be real estate, it could be content creation, whatever, right? So you need to sit down and be like, ignore what everything around you is saying and, and all the hype and so on, because that won't give you conviction, that won't give you self-belief. Sit down with yourself and say, what truly interests me? Like, what would I feel excited to wake up doing? And that's not an easy question, and I'm not going to say the answer is going to come to you the minute you start reflecting on this. But if you be honest with yourself and try to ignore voices around you, not defining, and a lot of people won't admit that, like that a lot of decisions made are around the hype or this how something on, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. Um, but if you get your head out of that mindset and stay in that mindset of, I'm going to try and really listen to what I think I want to do and do that continuously over like a period of a week and a month, the, an, an idea of what you want to do will become apparent to you. And that's the most important thing. It's that conviction. Once you know that I want to try this or do this, and I think I really would enjoy this, then that conviction will allow you to make bold changes such as, maybe leaving that job or taking another one or applying for this thing. But if you're just doing it on a whim, mm. you will never do anything with that. That's kind of my my main advice or what I've learned for myself over the last no. few years. Definitely. I think it's great you shared that. And I think a lot of people listen to this that will be like, yeah, I can relate to this guy. It may make things a bit clearer for our other listeners. And it's always interesting to hear how different people's career unfolds. Um, it's been a massive pleasure, Abdel, for coming no, thank on. Thank you, the pleasure is um, all mine. I want to thank you once again. And a massive thank you to our listeners. Um, but we hope to see you all next week again.